Because creating jobs means creating the conditions for everyone to thrive. Because families know best what their children need for educational success. It's our job to listen and help make it happen. Because futures filled with opportunity are unlocked when you read, write, draw, discuss, and dream. Today on Because Radio, West Grove Learning Center builds a community of learners. Dakota Ojibwe Child and Family Services strengthens families and communities. This week's Winnipeg Impact Maker, Ryan DeLong, pays it forward. And we'll have a preview of the latest episode of Because and Effect featuring Sister Leslie Sackerman, Executive Director of Holy Names House of Peace. All this and more on Because Radio. Hello and welcome to Because Radio, episode number six. My name is Robert Zirk. And I'm Sunny Promolo. We're already at the end of May. It feels like this month has flown by. It's nice that we've got some great patio weather, finally. Exactly. It's been a bit chilly just recently, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems to go back and forth. We have a few chilly days, a few really nice days, um, but hopefully we see more of the latter and less of the former. Yeah, summer has finally come. Absolutely. And we've got lots to get to on today's show. We've focused on each of the Winnipeg Foundation's causes, as you've noticed, from week to week. And we're now on the sixth of six causes, which is literacy, education, and employment. So today's foundation feature is going to have a focus on that. And uh, for this foundation feature, we're going to be visiting West Grove Learning Center, which is building community while helping adult learners improve skills and further their education. This week's foundation feature on Because Radio focuses on literacy, education, and employment. So, number, let's do number one across, a rule, custom, or practice. Law. Law. Class is in session at West Grove Learning Center, and to prepare for a busy morning, students are working collaboratively on a crossword puzzle. So, because we have the A on two, we yeah. can take a look at family member from the past, starting with an A. Ancestor. There you go. On some days, this might be a math puzzle. On other days, a volunteer will read top stories from the day's newspaper with students and discuss current events. But one thing that remains constant is the community. Katherine Johnston was West Grove Learning Center's literacy instructor for the past school year. The sense of community is really strong, and being a part of that is very rewarding. West Grove Learning Center was established in 2009, located in a renovated unit at a Manitoba housing complex in Charleswood. Here's Valerie Christie, West Grove Learning Center coordinator. It was brought about by the needs of the tenants and what they wanted to have done. We're located right in the resource center on the top floor. We have the classroom that happens every Monday through Thursday, and then the children are downstairs on the main level being watched by the childminder. Learners at West Grove are at a wide range of levels, from those who are learning English as an additional language, to those who are working toward their mature student high school diploma, or are upgrading to pursue post-secondary education. 
We have students who come just to be a part of a group. So we try to accommodate just about everybody's needs that need to be here. Adult learners can face a variety of barriers, including anxiety, mental health issues, and childcare needs. The work of the Family Resource Centre helps provide wraparound supports for learners and their families through counselling, a food bank, family fun nights, and community kitchen programming. Here's Katherine Johnston again. In other centres, people come from all over to attend programming, but here, the students live together in a community, they see each other elsewhere in the community at the resource center for programming or at the food bank and they really know how to work together because of that. Like there's a larger sense of support and community here. And that sense of community has helped students like Ginger Kithithi build self-confidence. I have social anxiety so being out in public is really hard for me and before I even came here, I had lived in the complex for two years and then didn't go anywhere. I didn't meet anyone. And I had gotten the newsletter saying that school was starting, so I decided to join. And it's really helped me break out of my shell and I'm actually able to get out more and do more in the community. Westgrove has also helped her teenage son move forward with his education. Because of his anxiety and ADHD, a normal school setting does not work for him. And this has been just amazing for him. He's actually communicating more with people because he you would talk to him and he wouldn't even say one word. Now he's more vibrant. Ginger is now taking courses online through Red River College with the hopes of pursuing further studies in accounting and credits the relaxed, welcoming environment of West Grove as well as the support from instructors and volunteers for her success. They've been tremendous. They're all very supportive, very helping. They all push you to where you need to be, but not so much where you feel overwhelmed. They're so open, you can talk to them, and then it's just like a small family almost. Dedicated volunteers like Maureen Barchin have been the driving force behind West Grove Learning Center working with students one-on-one, -on -one, and writing grant proposals and reports. I just think it's such an important program. I've had a long career in the social services, and this is one of the few programs where I really see some positive outcomes and positive results. And I think all of our volunteers are so committed to this program, and we just think it's so worthwhile. Westgrove Learning Centre received additional supports from agencies including Family Dynamics, Manitoba Education and Training, and Manitoba Employment and Income Assistance. When funding structures changed in 2016, Westgrove was at risk of closing. But staff, volunteers, and members of the community worked together to raise funds and keep the program going. Through a partnership with Grace Community Church, Westgrove received a community grant from the Winnipeg Foundation supporting its operations from February to June. A Literacy for Life grant also supported its early literacy programming. Westgrove Learning Centre will be undergoing changes to ensure the program's long-term sustainability. Valerie noted that with a decade of support for adult learners, Westgrove Learning Centre's impact has extended well beyond the classroom. It's been so neat 
watching one mom who couldn't read the letters that came home from her son's classroom. Permission slips she just signed where she was supposed to sign but couldn't really read any of the details. So for her to go from that spot in her life to being able to read her child bedtime stories, you know, is this is the kind of thing that keeps me going every day when you think about those stories. We're a very tiny little program, but we have a huge impact. So we're not just talking about the moms that come to class every day. We're talking about the moms going home and being able to help their kids do their homework or the moms doing their own homework side by side with their own child. That's such a huge impact on a family to have that burst of wanting to learn and encouraging their kids to learn. I just think that's immeasurable. For Because Radio, I'm Robert Zirk. Thanks, Robert. Up next, we're continuing our look at projects supporting truth and reconciliation in our city. And today, producer Jeremy Morantz will speak with Sharon Redsky, Development Coordinator at Dakota Ojibwe Child and Family Services, to learn more about how it's working with families in the best interest of children, families, and communities. You're listening to Because Radio. I'm Jeremy Morantz. I'm here with Sharon Redsky, the Development Coordinator at Dakota Ojibwe Child Family Services. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. So let's start out. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, what the organization does just to get started? Yeah, Dakota Ojibwe Child and Family Services is Canada's first Indigenous agency. Um, And so the important work that the organization does is really about preserving culture, working with families in the best interest of children and families. And we service eight First Nation communities that are in the southern part of Manitoba. Keeping all that context in mind, how do the, the, the seven sacred teachings, which I noticed on your website, wisdom, love, honesty, truth, humility, respect, and courage, each represented by an animal too, um, what is, where's the value and why is that important to, to the work that you guys do? Well, Dakota Jaboy Child and Family Services is really governed by eight First Nation communities. And so those communities um, really reflect a Jaboy and Dakota culture. And the important value, I think, for the seven sacred teachings is really about, you know, bringing love and all of those principles to the work that we do. And culture in identity are so important uh, for Dakota Ojibwe, uh, and it's reflected throughout our organization. Um, you know, our values and our mission is really about, um, you know, taking care of one another. Dakota Ojibwe Child Family Services, you guys have a reconciliation project on the go um, with Seven Oaks School Division. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. And for uh, anybody who isn't aware, I think one important thing um, to recognize is the work of the Truth and Reconciliation. And so some people don't even understand, you know, what that is and so through this project we're really hoping to you know work with the indigenous and non-indigenous to make sure that that not only the calls to action but the principles of the truth and reconciliation are honored Uh, and so it's really important um, to recognize why the truth and reconciliation uh, commission had started 
um, you know, since the early 1800s to right up until 1996, there were 150 children that went through residential school. Um, and, you know, it is just, you know, important for anybody who lives in Canada and outside of Canada to really truly understand Canada's history and the impact of residential school. And so what was happening was a lot of people needed to share their stories. And I'm really grateful that, you know, over six years, the Truth and Reconciliation uh, Commission had the opportunity to hear from 6,000 survivors. And we know that through uh, residential school, not everybody survived. And it's really personal to me because my mother went through residential school. Um, she grew up in a community called Show Lake 40 that supplies Winnipeg with their water. Her and all of my, her siblings uh, went to residential school. And so, you know, there were young kids, you know, there were five, six years old, uh, forcibly removed from their communities and sent to a residential school that was in Kenora. And her experience, um, you know, was not a very good experience. Uh, she and my aunt, uh, shortly after arriving in residential school in Kenora called Cecil Jeffrey, ended up with tuberculosis. Uh, and as a result of that, they were moved to a sanitarium, which we're now learning more about, uh, just outside of Brandon. And so not only uh, was she forcibly removed, it just created a huge distance uh, between her and her home community. And she ended up spending seven years in that residential school. And so those stories are so important for us to know uh, and it's part of the healing and you know we we all have to begin that healing together and so the opportunity to be able to work with a seven oak school division um, and address the high number of kids that we have in care in manitoba uh, is really important so really the project is about bringing together um, indigenous and non-indigenous uh, individuals, but particularly foster parents who are supporting a lot of our non-Indigenous children to build relationships, have a better understanding of, you know, the history that a lot of these children and their parents had to go through um, so we can create some understanding. And the most critical piece to it is we need to restore uh, cultural and identity for these children. Um, so through this project, um, you know, we're going to have an opportunity to do some cultural awareness. We're also going to have an opportunity um, to create some meaningful programs for youth. Uh, we're going to have a steering committee who's going to be, you know, guided, uh, guiding the two students who will be hired to facilitate and bring together the workshops. Uh, they're also going to be looking at developing a resource guide because there are so many organizations within Winnipeg uh, and outside of Winnipeg that are really focusing uh, and supporting young people to help them develop their culture and identity. And so they're going to be able to capture that and share that information amongst uh, the school division. And so it really, again, is about, you know, finding a way to work together. And we all, you know, have a responsibility to make sure that for our children, we're making the next generation better. And, uh, and there's so much research um, and evidence that shows when kids know their culture and identity, their outcomes are better. So we're all responsible to do that. And so we're really looking forward um, to this partnership uh, moving forward.
What are some of the ways that uh, you guys plan on teaching that cultural identity to to bring that cohesiveness into the project? Uh, well, we're certainly looking forward to, um, you know, bringing together our knowledge keeper and our elders um, to come and share. And I think the, the other important piece is, you know, just being able to, you know, provide information um, to individuals who want to participate. And I'm really hoping that, you know, a lot of foster parents who are non-Indigenous will come so they can get to know the community and they can get to know not only um, what Canada's history has been with Indigenous people, but also start to value the beauty and the culture uh, that exists amongst the communities. And uh, and so we'll be able to do that through workshops, um, as well as, you know, information that will be distributed through the school division at Seven Oaks. So we're, we're really fortunate that um, they're also stepping up and, you know, taking a lead on this project. So for the listeners out there who want to learn more about uh, the project or about uh, your organization as a whole, uh, where should they go? What should they do? Uh, well, they can certainly look up uh, Dakota Ojibwe Child and Family Services on the website. So it's docfs.org. Uh, and in regards to the project, I think that uh, the Winnipeg Foundation has some information on it, uh, as well as the Seven Oaks School Division. And again, I just, I really encourage everybody to you know, to take that time uh, and also find ways that, you know, we can create some understanding and uh, we can ensure that our children are having a better future. Great. Thank you so much, Sharon. Thanks, Jeremy. Each week on Because Radio, we feature impact makers in our community, and this week's Winnipeg impact maker is Ryan DeLong, a Winnipeg Jets fan who launched Pay It Forward Winnipeg. Welcome back to Because Radio. I'm Sonny Promolo. As you all know, Manitoba is home to some of the most giving people in the country. To share those stories, I'm going around the city to speak with impact makers in Winnipeg. This week, I'm with Ryan DeLong, creator of the Pay It Forward Winnipeg page on social media. But you might know him as the guy who took someone in need to a Jets playoff game. Thanks for joining us on Because Radio. Thank you for having me. For those that don't know you or are unfamiliar with what you've been doing, can you give us a quick rundown of what it is that you do? I had a pair of Jets tickets and I couldn't find a friend to go with me. So I decided to post it on Kijiji and just request people to send in why they were des- deserving to, to go to a game with me. So after about 100 messages from strangers, I read through all of them. And uh, one that stood out to me was a lady was nominating her friend who was a breast cancer survivor. And that kind of hit home for me as my my mom passed away from breast cancer when I was 16 years old. And coincidentally, the game that I had tickets to was in November, which is Hockey Fights Cancer Month. So I ended up choosing her and I I contacted her and we went to this game together. But before we went to the game, the media caught hold of this story and tons of people throughout the city of Winnipeg started donating cash for me to buy her food at the game and uh Jets merchandise and uh, someone even and bought her a Jets jersey and another person donated a pair of tickets for 
her friend to come to the game, also the friend that nominated her. It, uh, it was just such a positive that was uh, going through the community of Winnipeg, and uh, I decided to kind of roll with it, and um, I created Pay It Forward Winnipeg, which is a page that focuses on mainly positive stories throughout the city of Winnipeg, but also the surrounding areas and anything I, I find uh, throughout the world that uh, that's just, you know, feel-good, positive news that I can share to the page. And once in a while, I, you know, I kind of brainstorm and think of, think of ways that I can use this page to, to really uh, bring the community together and, uh, and do something positive for the community. So since then, I've decided to, every November, take uh, Dranger, that's, that's a cancer survivor, to, uh, to a Jets game. And the thing with Travis, too, where I took someone that was recovering from addiction and homelessness, I brought him to a Jets playoff game. So I'm constantly thinking of things to make a difference in the community, and uh, I'm using the page to, to make it happen. What is it that made you really want to make a difference? Was there something that your parents instilled in you, or what? what is it? Well, I, I guess I was I was raised right. You know, um, both my parents were very good people, and I just I kind of feel that what what's the point of life if you can't if you can't make a difference? I'm only one person. I can't change the world, but uh, it doesn't hurt to try. And uh, and with these little acts of kindness, you know, it's going to spark more people to do the same thing and uh i think like page followers their their children are starting to do kind of acts of kindness because of the page in the long run hopefully it makes a, a big difference in the world and or even just you know a few people's lives it's it's all worth it in the end what has the support from the community been like so far oh it's been great like ever since uh i, I took leslie she was the uh the cancer survivor that i took to the first game ever since day one i had dozens of people uh hopping on board to to help out and uh and then tons of support from people that you know weren't helping out but they were you know just sending me their positive feedback and uh it's it's been great you know friendly manitoba it's it's all true like everyone wants to make our community better and uh, i've also had a few people that uh have sense of negative feedback too but uh you know that kind of comes with the territory one of the great things you've done recently was take a deserving person into a jets playoff game can you tell me about that experience it all started last playoffs when we had that uh, crazy run and i was uh, attending the the street parties and you know basically the city shut down like it was uh, all jets you know for everybody and uh, I remember walking down, I think it was Portage Avenue, and I saw, you know, someone that looked like they were down on their luck. So they looked like they were homeless. They were kind of begging for money, and they were wearing a Jets T-shirt. And I thought to myself, like, you know, why why can't they be a part of this celebration also? Like, everybody deserved to be a part of this. Walking through the street parties, I noticed, you know, people from all ways of life, high-fiving each other and celebrating together. You know, I really felt a sense of community. I, I thought maybe it's probably not a good idea to, you know, go searching myself through the core of Winnipeg for someone that's clearly homeless and maybe not uh, um, mentally capable of being in an arena with 15,000 plus people screaming and all the lights and alcohol and all that stuff. So I decided to contact um, a guy I know that that is on the board for Main Street Project and I, I, t- I told him that I'd like to take someone that's, you know, 
you know, trying to recover uh, that deserves to go. And uh, he set me up with a meeting with the executive director of Main Street Project and another board member. And they uh, they chose someone that has struggled with addiction and homelessness, uh, but had been eight months sober and uh, turning their life around, um, you know, the going to school that's funded by the Main Street Project and uh, living in sort of like a halfway house, a recovery center. And uh, so they introduced me to Travis and immediately I was like, this is, this is the guy that I'm going to take. And he just seemed like a really cool guy and uh, really friendly, smiling like crazy. And when, when, when I told him that I was going to take him to a Jets game, he, you know, just was about to cry. Like it was a cool moment. And, um, so following that on pay it forward, Winnipeg, I started, uh, you know, requesting donations for things. And I ended up getting, uh, a few businesses on board to get a haircut and a facial and, uh, pedicure and two clothing stores. They donated clothing for him, but also I requested donations so that I could take him shopping to get him all the essentials that he needs. And, uh, you know, he was so happy. He had like two shirts and, you know, like he, he needed clothing. It was very important for him to get clothing at that, that time. And it just worked out that, uh, we got him clothing and a bunch of stuff, uh, toiletries and deodorant and body wash and shaving stuff and everything he needed. And then took him to the game and, uh, he was. He just had a blast the whole time. We went to the street party beforehand, and he, we went inside the arena, and he was just blown away. The only thing that could have made the experience better is if the Jets would have won. What was it about Travis that made him special? And if there's anything that you could say to him, what would that be? Yeah, I, I mentioned this in one of the interviews I did before, that he has more in common with me than some of my close friends. You know, like he, like same, we like the same sports. You know, we like, uh, we like going to the gym. We you know, like the same kind of movies. And it just goes to show you that anybody could be hit with addiction and eventually leading to homelessness. And he's a very special person because he's gone through recovery a few times and he has got back into the drugs, but he's, he keeps on coming back to try to get help. And this time, I think, I believe this is the longest that he's gone uh, in 20 years without uh, the use of drugs and, um, and I really think that he's on the right track now. He's uh, very physically fit. He goes to the gym every day. He runs five to seven miles every day. Very positive guy. And if there was one thing I could say to him, it's just keep it up. Don't give up. Life is worth it. And uh, I just, I really want to stay in contact with him and see him go through this recovery and, you know, stay sober. And I'm just very proud of him. Even though I don't know him very well, I feel like I've known him for years and uh, I'm proud of him for going through this. Is there anything you would like to add and how can people find you? Pay It Forward Winnipeg is always looking for, you know, new ideas and and help. It's a lot of work. It's me and two other people that run the page and uh, all three of us have full-time jobs. So it's kind of a lot of work. Um, But if anyone has any ideas of uh, contests that we can do if you have donations you want to give out and i can do like positivity contests and all that just feel free to contact us uh, at pay or ford winnipeg or add me on facebook at uh, ryan jets along 
Thanks again to Ryan DeLong for sharing his story of impact. Tune in next week as we'll hear from Travis Veyu, the recipient of the Jets playoff ticket, to learn about his experience. If you or anyone you know is making an impact in our city, you can DM us on social media by searching the Winnipeg Foundation at WPGFDN or reach out and call us at 204-944-9474, extension 360. Again, that's 204-944-9474, extension 360. We'd love to hear about it. I'm Sonny Promolo, Free Because Radio. Thanks, Sonny. Coming up next, Nolan Bicknell will join us to share a preview of the latest episode of Because and Effect with Sister Leslie Sackerman, Executive Director of Holy Names House of Peace. Welcome back to Because Radio. My name is Robert Zirk, and I am now joined in studio by Nolan Bicknell. He is the host of Because and Effect, a podcast with new episodes that drop every Tuesday. Nolan, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Robert. So this week we have episode six of Because and Effect featuring the wonderful Sister Leslie Sackerman. Tell us about what Sister Leslie was like and what you talked about. Sure. Um, Yeah, Sister Leslie is amazing. Um, A wonderful conversation, incredibly sweet, very humble, um, very thoughtful. It was a really good chat. We talked about all sorts of things. She's been working um, with vulnerable people, women, children, men, everyone in Winnipeg for decades. We talked about sort of the tactics she uses when helping others. We talked about the approach of kind of just getting one person at a time, solving one problem at a time, and eventually that can grow into a community of people who help each other and support real change. Whatever I've done, it's baby stepping. Mm. You know, like you open the door. I can open a door. That doesn't take energy. You know, somebody says, I need to get a lawyer for something. Okay, I, I'll look and I can, that's not, you know. Somebody says, do you mind if I sleep here? Okay. It, it's really little steps. If I ever, ever considered House of Peace, what it is now, or Rossbrook, what it was, or you'd stop. You'd just be, you know, where's the money going to come mm. from? What are, how are we going to handle this? What if somebody does this? What? All these questions that are in the head. But when you're face-to-face with people and you're walking with people, you're not alone because already, if the two of us are talking, there are two people involved in the project. And then when three or four, there are four of us holding the base. It's not a one leadership the leadership is in the community you can already tell from that clip that how thoughtful she is and how measured she is in her answers it sounds like a really great conversation it was great yeah we talked for about an hour almost all the because and effect podcasts are you know 45 minutes to an hour if that maybe 35 to 45 so it's not a crazy listen it's good if you just want to put on the dishes or put on a podcast while you're doing the dishes or something it was it was good this this conversation was one of my favorites she also had a really great suggestion when i when we were talking about empathy and empathy towards people who maybe you don't have an experience with people who are in vulnerable positions. So she, she suggested just look them in the eye and speak to them by name. I think we all have to, all of us here in Winnipeg, have to be able to call a homeless person by name. Mm. That would change us. Call a, a young person that's being put back and forth from the youth center and out and in and out. Be able to call them by name. I mean, that is what takes down prejudice, takes down 
racism, yeah. you know, and it then humanizes it humanizes, yes. Mm -hmm. And to be called by name. Like I, you know, the whole, I don't want to get into this, but the whole residential system is like, you know, when you've, you're coming from an idea and principles, what you think are principles, and, and you're coming at it from that idea rather than on the ground, feet on the ground, yeah. knowing people's names, calling, and and taking direction from people. Mm -hmm. And so often with the young people, and it's the same at the House of Peace, people look down on these people, So and sometimes they're afraid, so they don't look them in the eye. Mm. They're, they're afraid of the tattoos or the kind of gang-looking outfits right. they're wearing and so they're not like sitting beside you and me you don't look afraid of me and i'm not afraid of you mm -hmm. um but that's what's needed that's an amazing takeaway and it it seems very simple but you know on a day-to-day -day basis that can make a huge difference for somebody it's huge it's about not dehumanizing someone who might be in a different position than you are for sure mm -hmm. she had some crazy experiences she uh, told us a story about going to new york city and living in a homeless shelter that was she said she was sleeping in beds with cockroaches with rats and mice kind of running around her while she's sleeping unable to wash her hair or shower and she just did that just to be able to understand what people are going through in those positions wow she really doesn't just talk the talk but walks the walk as well exactly yeah well said she never and and through all this she never loses the optimism required or the belief in people that they can they can make it through and they she even had one time um where she was teaching and a student actually spat on her it's a crazy story so then I began to teach at Hugh John. And again, I would see at Hugh John, like one day I was standing in the hallway in Hugh John and I felt spit running down my leg. And I knew nobody had spit at me on a personal level. But um, when I realized it would have been one of the kids who comes to our house, uh, I thought, like, what's wrong? Like, what is happening for, the child, for this young gentleman in the school? And then he's totally different. Hmm. And it... Um, and it was that he was relaxed at, at our place, not feeling a part of the system because maybe he's behind or he's coming late and getting yelled at or whatever. But it's not, I never really put it to a fault of any particular teacher or the school because everyone was doing their best. But it's just that lockdown system that when you're far behind, you, you, you just, you're always, always behind. And that's not a good feeling for anyone. She's a saint. <laughs> well, technically she's a nun, but yes, she is also a saint. She's a leader, right? And we talked about leadership. We talked about how that, how she defines leadership and how she defines that role, or if, if she even considers herself a leader at all. I'm a teacher. I would say I'm a teacher. I, uh, what I see is like, I can see the strengths in people mm. and I can build on those strengths. And that's, that's leadership in one element. But that's why it works. So Sister Leslie is the founder of Holy Names House of Peace here in the city that helps to take care of newcomer and refugee women when most of them don't have anywhere else to go. Yeah, and it's not about her taking care of them. They take care of her as well. Obviously, that's probably where she spends most of her energy these days is helping these women and, and getting help from them as well. They're some of the most vulnerable among us in our society. And she talked about Holy Names House of Peace and just exactly that, how everyone kind of takes care of each other. If we've got each other and we're safe together, 
will make it. And the joy, the laughter in our home is huge, huge. And when you're up and I'm down, I get raised. When I'm up and you're down, you get raised. And that, that's for all of us. So one thing that I like to ask you about each of these conversations, uh, and I'll ask you this about your conversation with Sister Leslie, how would you how would you sum it up? What was your biggest takeaway? Sure. Um, well, I thought about that because I was hoping you would ask it. And uh, she had a great quote really early in the podcast uh, um, from, from he- Helen Keller. And she said that Helen Keller's a big, um, or she's a big fan of Helen Keller and, and loves the way that she lives and, and has written about. So she said a great quote about Helen Keller that sort of wraps up how she herself lives. Like one statement that has always driven me and uh, as a teenager was Helen Keller's statement. I mean, I love Helen Keller. Um, I admire her so much, but like it was, life is a daring adventure or it's nothing. And I really, I really love it. It drives me. I think that's for everyone. And I really like it. I love that. Life is a daring adventure or it's nothing. Just a beautiful quote. Could not agree more, yeah. And it perfectly encompasses sort of the the vibrancy of Sister Leslie and and how she lives her life. So, Nolan, you're six episodes into Because and Effect now. Um, Tell our listeners about how they can hear the full conversation with Sister Leslie. Sure. If you go to Because and Effect, because, A-N-D, effect, dot org, it has all six episodes. You can go back if you haven't heard the first five. Or if you want to listen to Sister Leslie and hear our full conversation, you can go there as well. New episodes are every two. Tuesday, so you can get it on Google, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, all sorts of different, wherever you get a podcast, you can listen to it or just on your web browser. So if you just open up your web browser, go to becauseandeffect.org, you'll be able to play it right through there. Fantastic. So be sure to check out the latest conversation, which is with Sister Leslie, uh, and check out all the episodes of Because and Effect. There's so many great conversations um, and uh, definitely worth a listen. So be sure to check that out. Becauseandeffect.org again is the address to the website. Nolan Bicknell is the host of Because and Effect. And don't forget that new episodes come out every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. Nolan, thank you again so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. See you next week. That's a wrap for today's episode of Because Radio. Thank you very much for listening, and thank you to all of our guests who joined us today. Because Radio is produced by the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with 93.7 CJNU-FM. Our Because Radio theme music, Call of the North, was written and performed by Micah Ehrenberg. You can find more of his music at micaehrenberg.com. If you'd like to listen to previous episodes or subscribe to our podcast, please visit becauseradio.org. Again, that's becauseradio.org.
And if you have any feedback about today's show, ideas for stories, or Winnipeg Impact Makers, please give us a call at 204-944-9474, extension 360, or you can also send us an email at becauseradio at wpgfdn.org. You can also follow the Winnipeg Foundation on social media at WPGFDN on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Robert Zirk, signing off for Because Radio. And I'm Sonny Pomolo. Thank you so much for listening, and have a great weekend.